sorry. I hope everyone had a good Easter. I talked to some of you and, you know, uh, talked to you a little bit about what you did and the good things that you uh, celebrated over the weekend and got to spend time with friends and family and doing things like that. Um, an elementary school teacher talked with her class the Monday after Easter, okay, and was asking all her students about, you know, what all they did, and she was, uh, you know, excited to ask them and, and excited to hear from them, and they were excited to tell her, oh, we had a great time, you know, we, we got lots of candy and uh, colored lots of eggs, and everybody was excited except for one little boy, uh, Jimmy, and he was just obviously depressed. And she asked him, Jimmy, what's, what's wrong? Didn't you have a good Easter? And he said, yeah, you know, I got lots of candy and I colored a hundred eggs. And she said, well, what's, what's wrong? She said, he, Jimmy said, well, my mom is making me eat egg salad sandwiches all week. That's pretty funny. Egg salad is one of my food groups, okay? So if you've got leftover eggs, as long as they're refrigerated, I'll take them. All right, so after Easter, after Easter, now what? You know, the biggest day of the year for Christians, for us, you know, we look forward to Easter, and then it's sort of like Christmas. You know, you sort of, when it's over, you, you feel odd, don't you? Um, does life go back to normal for us? That's what I'm trying to ask you. And we, we should never let that happen. We should never let that take place in our lives. There should never be normalcy when we think about Easter. We're in a new series. We're going to be starting it today called Proclaim. And I just really felt led to to go through this with us. Uh, what happened on Easter should be proclaimed continually and indefinitely, all right? Uh, not once a year, not a couple of times a year, but indefinitely. So this will be a very challenging series, but it's going to be very practical. We're going to do our best to make it as practical and, and as simple and as... Um, you know, ways that you can involve in your life these, these truths that you learned. We're going to be focusing on ways to share our faith, to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I really just want to start with this, and I really want you to write this down. Uh, this, is, this is the main thing for today, is our purpose is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's, it's our purpose. You... you wonder why you're why you're here if you're still a Christian you ever thought about that I just I'm going to profess faith in Jesus Christ you ever wonder why you're not taken up into heaven well you're here for a reason and that is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ but let me tell you this and you probably agree with me knowing that Christians are to share their faith doesn't surprise you does it right I mean I'm not catching anybody off guard, am I? By telling you that you need to share your faith? Yeah, I mean, you probably already know that, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Most of us who call ourselves Christians don't share our faith. We don't share our faith like we should. As a matter of fact, a, a recent Barna study 
showed that only 5 to 10% of American, American Christians, okay, shared the gospel in the last year. Let me read that, uh, the opposite of that, okay? That means 90% of Christians did not share their faith over the last year. Now, that's, that's remarkable. Um, so, so, it's not surprising that in the U.S., in America, Christianity is declining at a rate of a little over 1% per year. Okay? Christianity is growing fastest in areas like Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. Listen to this. In 2015, Iran grew at a rate of 5.2% per year. Okay? Iran, where, where it's outlawed against the law to be a Christian. 5.2%. There are 500,000 Christians in Iran. That's amazing. China, Christianity is growing the fastest in China. The fastest. At a rate of 7% per year. Where again, it's illegal. They're closing down churches left and right. Listen to this. 67 million Christians in China. As a matter of fact, in 20 years, it's predicted that there will be just as many Christians in China that there are in America. It's growing, spreading fast. So what's going on? What's going on? Are we turning our backs on God in America? Are we doing that? Or could the problem be as simple as this? Most of us do not share the good news of Jesus Christ. Could it be that simple? The numbers say so. Well, why don't we do that? Why don't we share the gospel? We could be afraid. Uh, some of us, many of us are not sure how to do that. We're not sure what to say to others. Or we don't know a lot about Christianity. Or we don't know a lot about the Bible. Or, or we don't like confrontation. And a lot of us, many of us, most of us don't like rejection. Do we? Those are all valid reasons that we don't share our faith. And we're going to be looking at those things over the next few weeks and how we can overcome those in order to fulfill our purpose, right? Because our purpose is to proclaim. For today, though, I'm going to make the case for us. Why should we, right? Not why don't we, why don't we but why should we? I mean, this is our purpose. So in the rest of our time together, I want to show us why this is our purpose. First of all, it's not just good news, it's great news, right? It's not just good news, it's great news. Uh, the word gospel means good news, but when you think about it, just think back to last week and everything that you heard on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday. Think about all that. That's not just good, that's great. That is great news. I mean, what Jesus did for the world is more than good. It's more than good. We love getting great news, don't we? I, I mean, what do we do when we get news like that? You know, you get excited, right? You, you start thinking about it, you talk about it, you celebrate that, and, and you share it 
when you get great news, you don't keep it to yourself, do you? You share it. Um, I've never seen these re gender reveal things like I'm seeing now, right? You know what I'm talking about with somebody having a baby and, you know, what, what sex is the baby? Is it going to be boy or girl, blue or pink, tutu or truck? You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, but, man, people are making a big deal out of it. So uh, in Little League and baseball and stuff like that, oh, did you see little Jimmy's home run? And we got it on video, and we're, we're showing it on so social media, and we're calling up our neighbors, yeah, you hit a home run. I can't believe it. Or somebody's getting married or something like that, or UVA won the national championship, right? All right, so nobody's celebrating that. All right. <laughs> couple of you maybe <laughs> um look i'm not i'm not knocking doing that because i do it too i do that i do those things too i get excited about news like that i'm just trying to relate to you how we all act all of us act when we get great news christians we have the greatest news in all the world to share and so the world needs to hear it, and we need to proclaim it. All right? Psalm 22, verse 31. When I saw this verse, I said, this has got to be our theme verse for this whole, whole series. It's really amazing. And when you go back and read the entire chapter of Psalm 22, remarkable. Remarkable. Old Testament book. Um, the entire chapter of Psalm 22 is describing the crucifixion of Jesus. Okay, go back and read it on your own time. It's truly remarkable. But verse 31, look at this. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people, look at this, yet unborn. How do you, all right, what does he mean there? There's somebody here, but they're unborn? Declare to a people yet unborn. What's he talking about? He's talking about non-Christians, people that don't have faith. If you're born again, we are to proclaim the righteousness of God to those that are yet unborn, you see. And what are, we, are, what are we to proclaim? Look at this. He has done it. He has done it. Jesus Christ has done it. He died on a cross, paying for the sin of the world, and then he rose from the grave to give all who would believe in him eternal life. He has done it. We need to be excited about that. We need to celebrate that. We celebrate a risen Savior who gives forgiveness, who gives new life. And that is an exciting message. And it doesn't need to be kept to ourselves. You see, that's what we do in America. We keep this exciting, great message to ourselves. It shouldn't be that way. Look at Matthew 28. We looked at this just last week. Just last week we looked at this, all right? 28 verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. You know, they hurried away from the tomb. Are women always in a hurry? I mean, it's in the Bible, right? Just kidding. They hurried away from the tomb. And it says, look here, we can read right past this. They were filled with joy. They were filled with joy. And think about this. 
joy at the news that they were given and joy because they had the opportunity to share it, you see. Two different reasons for joy. And just a side note here, I'm not going to get off track too far, but sometimes I think we fail, personally, you and me, we fail to realize and understand the magnitude of what the Lord did for us. Before we can effectively share and proclaim the good news, we ourselves have to be wholeheartedly changed by the good news. We do. We need to be joyful. That's what it means. The gospel should fill us with joy. And if it doesn't, I need you to lean, lean in here. If it doesn't, if you're not joyful at the fact of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then there's a change that needs to play, taste, take place in your life. We need to focus on getting back to being amazed by the grace by the love and the power of Jesus Christ. Revelation 2.4, all right? Written to a church, written to Christians. A church in Ephesus says this. Jesus says, you do all these other things. Okay, you do these things, good. But I have this against you. You have lost your first love. Talking about the love for Jesus. The love for the gospel. You have lost your first love. He tells them to repent and remember the love you had at first. He says, go back to that. Go back to loving the gospel message. Go back to being joyful or else I will come and remove your lampstand. That's what's happening in America. Our lampstand is being removed because we are not being joyful. So we need to get back to that. We need to spend some time alone with God in prayer, in his, in his word, so we can get back to that. So, back to the women. The women ran from the tomb, and they ran to tell the disciples. They ran to share the message. Here's an amazing fact, and none of us really realize this. None of the disciples knew that Jesus had rose. They didn't know. The women knew you know, God wanted the disciples, those who did not know, to know. So he said, go tell them. The angel said, go tell them. Go tell my disciples. They needed to know the good news as well. You know, we all need to look at these women, and we need to take a lesson from them. Not just in the fact that they were excited, not just in the fact that they were joyful, but in the fact that they proclaimed the good news. Can you imagine if they didn't? Can you imagine if they were American Christians? Would the, would the message have spread? Our purpose is to proclaim the good news of Jesus. The salvation, the forgiveness, the life that is found in Jesus. It's not just good. It's great. It's great news. Well, another reason that this is our purpose is because we are commanded to proclaim it. We are commanded to proclaim it. The Lord has commanded us to proclaim the good news. I want to look at two sections of Scripture here known as the Great Commission. I like to call them the Great Commandments, okay, because they are commands. Acts 1, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Okay, so this is post 
uh, the gospel message, okay? They had received the good news from the women. And I want you to see the effects here. They had received the good news already, and they had seen and are listening to Jesus speaking. And now they were thinking, is it time yet? Are you going to kick Rome out at this point? Are you going to conquer the world and bring peace? Do we get to sit on our thrones now? Do we get to sit back and take it easy? Do we get to sit back and watch you work? It kind of sounds childish, don't it? I mean, our kids, man, I bet my kids asked me a thousand questions yesterday. I couldn't keep up with it. Um, when we're going to do this, Daddy, where are you going to take me here? Will you buy me this? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Over and over again. You know what I'm talking about. Next time they do that, just say yes. It's so funny because they get all confused and they look up and they'll, they'll stop asking you. Anyway, I'm experienced. I know. Anyway, they were, the disciples were acting like that. They were acting like that. But that wasn't the Lord's plan. He said, it's not for you to know, right? Not for you to know. But in the meantime, here's what you are to do, okay? He was about to give them a command, and he was about to give them their purpose. That's what I want you to see. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, here's the interesting thing. They were witnesses to Jesus Christ. He was talking to them. They were watching him. They were listening to him. They were witnesses of his life, his words, his love, his miracles, his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection. And now they were commanded to continue to be witnesses. Will be is a phrase that's future progressive, which means it's continuous. You are my witnesses, and you will be, will continue to be my witnesses. What you've seen, what you've heard, what you know, now you go and tell others. That's what witnesses do, isn't it? Tell others. And just so it's clear that this is a command, Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority, right, not just most Authority, a little bit, some, all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus is saying to these Jews that I am God. I have the power of God. I have the power to command anything to happen, and it needs to happen. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have, I'm not stuttering, commanded you. Command. You see, this isn't optional. Do you realize that? This isn't optional. Proclaiming the good news of Jesus is not an option. If you're a Christian, this is the, at the top of your job description. At the very top. It's what the Lord commanded us to do. It's what God wants us to do, and it is our purpose. It's your purpose that you're breathing right now, is to proclaim the good news. 
Well, the next reason that we are to proclaim is this. The work is great. The work is great. Now, I want to share some verses from Matthew with, uh, with you. Jesus himself showed us the importance of sharing the good news and how great the work is, was then, still is now. Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went through a couple of the towns and villages. No, Jesus went through all, all of the towns and villages. It's truly remarkable. Teaching in their synagogues, dozens, if not more, little towns and little villages all around the Sea of Galilee, all up around Capernaum, Jesus went to all of them. Where have you been to share the good news? He proclaimed, look at this, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus knew this. He knew the work was great. And he knew the need was great. There were a lot of people hurting. There were a lot of people without hope. A lot of people who did not know the love of God. And this is truly remarkable about Jesus. Let's, let's read this, Matthew nine thirty six. When he saw them, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Now that, sh that should amaze you. That should amaze us. That the God of the universe would look on you and have compassion would have love. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, this is the part we all know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And Jesus is showing by example that the work was great. And he's really asking, come and help Come and help in this. The work is so great that there's not enough workers. Jesus said this 2,000 years ago. And it's just as true now. The work is great. Uh, I have four kids. And we buy Legos for our kids. And what we did was we started buying them for Isaac. And you know what you do with Legos when you have multiple kids, right? They get handed down. Yeah. And, and it just grows. You might have to buy a little, couple of things here or there. So by the time we get to Noah, all right, fourth kid, we've got a tub full of Legos, like full. And so I asked him, this was last year, Noah, you want to play Legos? Yeah, you want to play Legos. So I made the mistake of giving him the tub. And so he dumps it over. And when I tell you there's Legos everywhere, that, I'm not exaggerating. Everywhere. Complete, it looked like I have Lego carpet. Legos to the corner, underneath the couch, underneath the chair. And I'm mad. I mean, I'm frustrated at this point. Um, and so I did what every good parent would do. I said, Noah, pick these up. Every last one. And he knew he was in trouble, so he did. And you know how he started picking them up? And after a couple minutes, I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. So I got down 
on my hands and my knees, and I started doing it. Well, after about two minutes of that, I'm like, we're not getting anywhere with this. We're going to be here all day. And so I'm started, I started yelling for Callie, Callie, come help. And so, you know, we're, by the end of, of the day, I mean, we've got them all picked up, but it took several of us doing it to make a dent in it. There are 7.5 billion people in the world. That's a lot. Two billion claim to be Christian. I say claim to be because that's what I mean. We know a lot less than that actually are. Five billion people that don't know Christ. The work is great. You have friends. You have family members. You have neighbors. You have co-workers. You have employees. You have patients. You have students. Who need to hear the good news. We've got work to do. The work is too great for us not to share our faith. You see. Well the final reason that our purpose is to proclaim the good news is this. The stakes are high. The stakes are high. Now I'm about finished. So I really want you to listen to this last uh, section. Matthew 9.37 We've already read this. We just read it. But I want you to focus on one thing. One thing here. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, we, we're in an uh, agricultural area. You know there's a, there's a beginning to the harvest, and you know there's an end, don't you? Are you following me? There's only a certain amount of time that you can actually harvest, and then it's over. The harvest begins and ends. And then whatever fruit is left on the tree, whatever grass is left in the field, whatever crop is left out there, if it's not brought in, it dies. It dies. What are the stakes? Well, just let me, let me talk to Christians first. Or let me address that first. Well, the Lord is returning. The Lord of the harvest is returning if, if you don't die before then. Either way, you're going to stand before the Lord of the harvest. Are you being a good worker of the harvest in his harvest field? I don't know about you, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't make me feel like everything's okay when I stand before the Lord. He's going to hold each one of us accountable for what we've done with the gospel. I want you to realize that and understand that. Am I a good worker in God's harvest field? Next, for people that aren't believers, okay? There is an end to the harvest. One day, you will stand before the Lord. And the Bible tells us that those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ are sent away to spend eternity away from God. I believe hell is a real place. A lot of people don't talk about that anymore. I believe it's a real place. And from a biblical perspective, if you believe in heaven, you better believe in hell. 
Because the both are in there. And guess who talks about both? Jesus. The Bible tells us, listen. The Bible tells us that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to have eternal life. That's what the Bible teaches us. And the stakes are high. I, I cannot think. Think about it with me, just for a second. Do you carry with you, in your mind, in your heart, a more important message than that? So much is at stake. Uh, many of you know, are familiar with the story of Paul Revere, right? Maybe some of you are history teachers. I'm not a history expert, but I've got the History Channel on my TV. And so I learn a lot from that. But we're, we're familiar with Paul Revere, 18, or excuse me, sorry, 1775. Uh, British troops were in, invading, and they were, had plans to go to Lexington, Massachusetts to arrest Samuel Adams and John Hancock. This is truly a remarkable story. They were also wanting to seize a large weapon storage near the uh, town of Concord. So Paul Revere from Boston got word of this, and he rode on horseback in the middle of the night, ran to Lexington to warn Adams and Hancock. He got there, and he warned them of what was coming, and they listened to him. And the lives of, think about this, 1775, not 1776, 1775. The lives of Samuel Adams and John Hancock were saved because Paul Revere brought them an urgent message. Now, we're familiar with that story. But what we may not be familiar with is a guy named William Dawes. Uh, Dawes was sent out at the same time Revere was. Nobody hears about him or reads about him because Revere showed up first. Oh, 30 minutes after Revere showed up to where Hancock and Adams were staying, Dawes comes in with the same exact message. That's truly remarkable. Uh, they, were, uh, they realized that this, this message was so important that they needed to go out and tell more people. So after the infamous ride and after the infamous, the British are coming, you know, we, we hear about all that. Guess what they did? They went out again later. And they, they incorporated the help of another guy, Dr. Samuel Prescott, who was a doctor, a medical doctor, who just picked up on it and said, this, I need to proclaim this. I need to get this out. By the end of the night, there were over 40 riders proclaiming this message. And there was a quote taken from a biography um, from Revere, and he was asked about this. Uh, getting all the riders involved, and he said there was too much at stake and the mission was too important for one rider alone. Wow. And that's the way we should feel about proclaiming the gospel. Our, our mission is too important for us not to do it. There's too much at stake, folks. Believers, listen to me, and I'm finished. The news that you carry could save someone's life for eternity. That's what's at stake. Are we proclaiming it? As we wrap up today, here's the goal for this morning is simply this. Understand and realize that this is our purpose. Our purpose is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the best news in all the world. 
the Lord has commanded us to do it. There's a lot of work, and look, there's so much at stake. And you might say, well, I get it. Well, how do I do that? Well, there are many different ways, and I hope that you'll join us each week in this series. We're going to talk about some practical ways that we can proclaim the good news to a world that needs to know Jesus. Amen? Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. Father, help us to realize that our purpose is to proclaim the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, many times we just fail to understand and realize what you did for us. We fail to be joyful. We fail to, to really see the grace in our own lives. Father, break us. Open us up. Help us to return to you and return to the love of Jesus Christ that we once had when we first gave our lives to you. When we were excited about what you are and what you were doing, not only in us, but in others. Father, not only is this what we are to do, but there's so much at stake. So much at stake for people who don't know you, friends, family members, loved ones that at this moment are down the, the path of an eternal life away from you. Oh, Lord, change us. Just like the women who left the tomb, fill us with joy. Let us make haste. Let us be glad and understand the message that we carry. Give us confidence and faith and trust to proclaim it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.